Well, welcome to the uh, next in a series of Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Anderson, and our guest tonight is Les Almos. Les is the uh, advertising account manager for Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine, and he's been in the uh, hobby since 1979. He's an old guy like me. Uh, he's been heavily involved in both uh, modular railroading, what we call Fremo, and then he's done a lot of work within the NMRA. Uh, he rewrote and published the modular standards for the Northeastern region of NMRA in 1981. 2001, he founded the uh, Free Module Rail Group. He's been active in building modules, documenting and promoting Fremo standards since then. He enjoys computer layout design, electronic gadgets. I mean, he's a really, you know, what guy doesn't? DCC, building models, and he's very pro NMRA. Recently, you've probably seen his articles in the magazine. October 2009, he had building and operating turntable and roundhouse. That was first installment. January issue was part two, and then the current issue contains part three of that series. He's got a uh, background in drafting computers and high-tech industrial control, sales, and marketing. There's a mouthful. And he's doing the uh, advertising and marketing for MRH. So welcome on board, Les. Thank you. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing good. We're doing fine. It would help if I unmuted myself. <clears throat> We're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Les. I have an advantage. Uh, I met Les a few times at a couple of the shows, uh, touring with the MRH. However, Les, let's start uh, with a quick summary or brief of how you got involved in model railroading. Was it the Fremo stuff that got you started, or what were was there an affinity for trains before that? No, actually, uh, it wasn't Fremo. But back in '81 really got me started was uh, my son basically <clears throat> his uncle gave him a, a train set Lionel naturally uh, unlike everybody else I didn't get a Lionel at five years old I guess the family was a little too poor so instead of five it was a little later <laughs> and uh, you know alright so your son got you into it was and how did your son how old was your son when he got you into it he was nine years old at the time all right, so you started playing around with that. And then any messing around with trains before you got to the Fremo stuff on your own? I'm not really uh, pretty busy with work and, you know, sort of things that just didn't jive to be able to do that. At the time that he got his train set, things sort of changed a little bit. Okay. Then uh, what, what was the change in your life that, got you back into it and looking at Fremo as opposed to, you know, a standard HO or N-scale layout in your basement? Well, actually, Fremo came a, a lot later. Uh, okay, so there, there was some yeah. you doing oh, yeah. some train stuff before Fremo. Okay. Oh, yes, absolutely, because in 81, when I wrote the standards, the reason I actually wrote the standards is I got into modeling because of a friend, uh, Denis Fortier, who, who happened to be the Canadian director for the NER at the time. NER? So, 
Yeah, northeastern region of the oh, NMR. Okay, all right. So you're looking around, trying to find things, getting uh, magazines, reading, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I came up on the division Alouette, which was a division of the NER, and this guy's name happened to be there, and he was in Quebec City. I said, "Hey, well, I'll give him a ring." So it's his fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. uh, basically, what happened is that they had modules in the division, and the, the standards were written loosely. Uh, being an ex-draftsman, it sort of, you know, sort of fell into on to me to rewrite those standards, and that's where it all started. So I rewrote the standards for the division, which later became the uh, standards for the NER, and that sort of stopped around '95 after we did the the last convention here in Quebec City. Okay. All right. So, uh, so then, what about Fremo? How did how did that come about? Well, after 20 years of going round around and, and moving modules around from point A to point B, and the guys were sort of well less interested. And at that time, we weren't a group really. We were just 10 guys separate at home, each with his module, and then we'd get together once or twice a year, depending on where we happened to go. And we had some fun, but after a while, that sort of gets old, and the guys were sort of be losing interest. Okay. And I've, all, all of a sudden, uh, I came upon this on the website. I saw this guy, Chris Palomares, and his Fremo concept. So, you know, I, I really looked into that pretty closely, and I figured, well, this was probably the, the best occasion to get the guys together again, okay? Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, wrote the, I wrote the standards for our Fremo, which is on our website, and uh, we got guys together and talked about it and saw, well, are we going to do this or not, you know? So after about an hour or two of my explaining to them what Fremo was, which they didn't very much understand at that point, but slowly they started thinking, yeah, might be a good idea, but with a twist. He says, if we're going to do it again, we want to have a permanent home, okay? I don't want to have to drag my modules from my house to somewhere else. Can we look at possibly having a permanent home? And that's how it all started up. Okay. So then what's the point of having a, I mean, you call it free mo, free modules or modules that you can move around and link together. But if you have a permanent home, aren't you just really just building a railroad? Well, yes and no. Okay. Uh, one of the good points is, is that when you've worked with modules as long as I have, you sort of realize that you do the best work on the workbench, right? Okay. Okay. So building a modular layout or even building a home layout, which I'm doing in my basement, it's going to be modular, and it's going to be built mainly on a desktop. Okay, This happens to be the way that we figured that we could get the guys together to do some modeling. Now, when it all started out, we figured, oh, we'll take a couple of years, we'll hook those up, and then, bang, we'll be running around all over the country. There's only one little, <laughs> there's only one little problem. Like you mentioned before, we're all a bunch of old farts. <laughs> Modules are getting heavier and heavier, and it's just a, a little bit more complicated to move those suckers around. Uh, so we decided to, to get a place, and we did. And we got 31 modules now built. It's been nine years, 100% uh, track laid down. We've got 75% uh, of the scenery in. 
And we're operating, as a matter of fact, we have an open house tomorrow for the 24th of June, which is the uh, Quebec uh, national holiday, if you want to call it that. So you've got 31 modules. Yep. How All big? Are what, what size are they? Well, they vary from 2x4 to corner modules to 2x6. Uh, I guess 2x6 is the biggest one. You, did you get the plan that I sent you? Actually, the whole the building is 35 by 45. And we've got a, a so how, how could I explain this? You got a yard, six six module yard with a reversing loop, two reversing loops where I can uh, store at least three trains in each loop. And then we have another 14 modules, which is so all kinds of different areas, semi-prototype, some prototype, some not so prototype. And this straight here, you get this straight. We have one guy that does mainly the scenery, one guy that did most of the track work. Okay. I designed and, and put the stuff on, on computer so we could get that thing up. And that's how we wound up with 31 modules, 10 years, okay. nine years later. So okay, you I'm have looking at the, at the drawing now. Say what? I'm looking at the drawing now. Went back to my email. Okay. And see it there. Okay. So this is like a 35 by 45 room. Yep. Then we have on the top right we have a uh, workshop. It's about 12 by 11 approximately. Okay. The rest is uh, is the railroad. As you see, it sort of snakes around. Okay. It's a pretty nice draw when you look at it from from the doors coming in on either side. It's, it just hits you right in the face. And it's 50 inches high, so that's different from the standard modules, which are usually at 40 inches. And this sort of draws your eye to, to the models themselves more than not so much looking down on, on the modules as you are looking at the modules. Okay, very nice. Thank you. The advantage, I'm trying to understand the advantage of, I mean, looking at your drawing here, mm -hmm. last you basically built a railroad in a basement or, you know, in an area like anyone else would, except that it is, happens to be in modular sections. Well, that's correct. So I, I guess what I'm trying to, you guys are into modules, but if it's going to have a permanent home, what is, what's the advantage of doing that? Because isn't it, really difficult to get all those pieces to line up right? Well, it all depends on how much time you spend in designing and, and how, how you go about doing it. That, the answer to that actually is no, it isn't. As a matter of fact, uh, on that whole layout, there isn't a single rail joiner. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Okay. At the beginning, we uh, we the put in spikes and... and uh, and ACC to do the ends of the modules to make sure that the track stayed in place. And it's all hand laid, Central Valley with the microengineering track. All right. Uh, lay, uh, the turnouts also are all, all hand laid with the Central Valley. But what happened down the line at about 2000 and something, I believe it was 2002, uh, we started basically doing what Joe was doing, is putting PC board ties in certain areas to make sure that the thing was pretty solid and it didn't move around. Uh, we've been we've been working on this for nine years, and I'll tell you one thing, uh, that just stays where it is. Uh, it ain't going nowhere. Okay. It's sort of, 
to answer your question of why go to that trouble well okay there's there's possibly two answers to that the first answer would be if we ever have to get out which we did after six years <laughs> it's an easy job can, yeah, a lot yeah. easier to move modular. Okay, point I can one. Take, take that it. apart. Yeah, sorry, I can take that apart in about two hours. Wow. Okay, and I can set it up about two hours. Amazing. Okay, cool. No, there there are no uh, rails between the modules. There's bolts, two bolts, and two sets of wires to pull apart. Okay, that's it. That's all. All right. What's point number two? Okay, number two is that we want to go out, okay? The biggest thing that we have to consider when going out is how we're gonna transport those modules with all the scenery and everything on there. So that's what we're looking at right now and we're gonna come up with a plan which is similar to, uh, I don't know if you, you remember in Springfield what the guys were doing at that uh, large modular layout. They brought in a big trailer with a bunch of racks. Right. You remember that? You yep. Were, yeah, okay. Well, that's Man, basically like folding legs and Yeah. Well, we have our legs are are they're, they're made of PVC. I designed those myself and they just pull out. Okay. There's no bolts, no bolts or anything. So that's easy. It's to get get a a rack where we can put these modules up and then wheel them out. Hey, where what's the address of this place? The address in Quebec City. It's in uh do you want the actual address? Yeah, cuz uh Paul it only takes two hours if you want a nice railroad. Sure. <laughs> it, it comes right apart. Well, okay. So I'm thinking you guys made a permanent home for it, but there's still a possibility that you guys want to be able to move it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that I, I was taking it as, you know, we want a permanent home. I'm like, oh, well, I go through the trouble. And then I wanted to know if third point would happen to be – if point three would happen to be that you can move the modules around occasionally if you get tired of the layout. Yeah, we, we can do that. Actually, each set of modules, uh, depending on the scene, we can switch them around, okay? They, they actually can be turned around 180 degrees, okay? The problem is that uh, if you look at the plan, the yard is one piece. That corner module where you see the... Uh, the return loop, okay, that's yes. that's one piece. And then okay. there's the other module with the two or three S-curve S ones. That's one module and so on and so forth. So what we decided to do in a case where we'd be going out to a Fremo setup is this would become the branch line, okay? So if you look at the plan, you see that portion in front where you have the bridge? Okay. Okay, that's okay. that first Okay, that would be the main line, and those two curves coming off there would be going to a branch line. Okay. So we're operating branch line because what we started, the standards were 36-inch minimum radius. And then that sort of changed along the way to 42 and preferably maybe 46. Holy cow. Okay. Okay, so that sort of relegated us to a branch line, which is okay because that's we can live with that, you know. But just so I'm clear… Um, I I don't really understand. I know what a branch line is, um, but I'm not sure why you are relocated to a branch line. Are you saying the whole layout's a branch line as opposed to a main line? Yeah, the top portion only. 
Oh, okay. If, if you look at the plan, there are three red lines, okay? Big red lines. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are where I can hook up to a standard Fremo setup, okay? Okay. And then if you look at the top left-hand portion, there's a, there's a uh, corner module. Okay. Okay, I can turn that around 180 degrees. Oh, okay. Okay, and the rest of the stuff all goes with it. So in that setup, I'm, I'm looking at 100 and some feet wide. Okay? Okay. And then the other guys can hook up to that straight portion where those red lines are. So it's actually movable. And yes, if you look at that front portion, there's one on, in the middle, sort of turns upwards. Yes. That goes on the right-hand corner. Okay, that, that has been put there just for <laughs> where we're at because we're missing some room, okay? That actually goes to the right-hand side to line up. The, the blue part is the water, okay? So it's pretty hard to sort of visualize this uh, on, on the podcast, but when you see the plan, it's, it's pretty clear. So, yeah, we can move it around and play around with it. And if we move to another place, well, hey, I'd rather have something 100 feet long and maybe 25 feet wide than what we got there. But, hey, serves the purpose and it works fine. Okay. Yeah, I see. And the photo you put on the email, that's an impressive-looking bridge in section of the layout there. Yeah, well, that's a double bridge from uh, Central Valley. Their trust, Pratt Trust Bridge, and uh, we've we've built two separate, and now I'm rebuilding one with the track as one piece instead of having two separate pieces, so that sort of helps us. That can, we can lift that bridge out because those modules actually separate in two, so that uh, it, it's it's a nice looking setup. Oh, it is absolutely, and just thinking out loud here one of the main reasons uh, Ryan that we also went to a permanent locale is, is very simple there's a whole bunch of guys that worked on the layout okay some guys are good in scenery some guys are good in track work some guys are good in engineering some guys are good in electrical okay and right. this is this is the place where all these guys can get experience with the other guys uh, the proper word uh, the other guy's talent in other words okay so the guy who, who does electricity now learns a little bit about about scenery and track and so on and so forth and this sort of came to a to a end that right now everybody sort of can do a little bit of each okay and that sort of helps them either in their home layout or or in the on on the modular layout itself let me uh, pop in here Ryan while you're no go ahead go ahead Hey, Les, as, yeah. you, as we look at what you guys have done with, with your layout, which is kind of like semi-permanent in residence there in your business, your mm -hmm. building, do you, I, I presume there's other module groups out there that routinely take their units down, go to, to shows and so forth. Is that the case? Well, it was the case up until about 95, I would say 96 with the odd exception after that. It sort of got to be uh, too much for most of them. We have okay, another... but other groups do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they do that, yes. 
Okay. We don't, here in Phoenix, we don't have, I think in the five years I've lived here, we've had one of the, the major Great American Trains or so forth yeah. came into town. And the, the major players there were several local groups with quite large uh, modular layouts. And it's like you mentioned in your article, they were triple track mainline running around in essence a big a big square, a big rectangle. Yeah. So I certainly see where your Fremo gives you, you know, because of the standard like twelve inches in from the side to center line of track and thirteen in if you're doing double track and the in plate construction. Right. So I certainly see where it gives you a lot of opportunity. Like you said, for your each member to utilize his talents in creating this layout. And you guys had a central theme or a plan, right? For what yeah, you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, well, we're based on, uh, basically on the CN in Quebec in the area. Okay, so it's basically taking off the CN, what the CN Canadian National has, and then the working from there. And the, the year goes from 65 to 85. So a little bit later than the actual transition okay but still with the first generation stuff and then if we decide to move into another era from later on to, to 85 well you get into the more modern stuff so it gives us the uh, the option to put an older stuff or newer stuff on there to put steam or just put the steam and diesel and so on so it gives us a, a, a nice wide window to work with okay ryan so it's hot all right <laughs> You got a lot of editing to do. It's about time someone else gets to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Les, let's. Uh, as far as Fremo, you you know yeah. a lot about it. You've written about it. You've been doing it for years. Um, why don't you give us a little background on on why how Fremo got started? What do you know about it? Well, Fremo was actually started in the, in Europe. Okay, and if you ever seen a Fremo set up in Europe. It sort of dropped down on your knees and say, oh, my God. I mean, these guys have got six to 700 modules hooked up together. Holy cow. You know, I'm not kidding Whoa. you. We're looking at one huge setup. And these are guys from all over Europe, okay? Guys from Germany, guys from Switzerland, guys from Hungary, guys from Spain, all over the place. And they come in together every once in a while, and they hook this sucker up, and they've got They've got power in there that you wouldn't believe. And they just go from point A to point B, and then they go through this town and the other town and so on and so forth. And this is really free. You look at this a ballpark basically set up with modules, and they're waving in and out of there all over the place. So this is what Chris Palomares saw back in, I guess, the 1995, 96 era. And he figured that, hey, this is a new way of looking at modules. So that's basically what he did is he, he, he took what those guys are doing down there and he made up a set of standards for North America, which meant, okay, the, the end plates, 24 inches wide, track yes. in the middle. Okay, It's got to be Digitrax local net. Okay, And the reason for that is because it's a peer-to-peer -peer network. Okay, and you can add on to it. It's not a master slave, so you can get a lot of, lot of operation without, you know, really, really messing up your land. Okay. okay. So okay, so from there on, he got the guys in California together, and he started building these suckers. 
So after a couple of years, I guess it was back in about 1999, I guess, when I went down to see my sister down there, I got in touch with Chris, and we sort of <laughs> chatted a little bit on that, and uh, they said, yeah, this is, this is where we got to go, and that's, that's basically how I got into it, because I really liked the idea. The other fact was they were going to stop doing with the fancy stuff like the, uh, the singing elephants and, and the giraffe and the rest of the crap that they do in, in, in some of the areas. Right? <laughs> okay. That's okay. We've been there. Okay, sure. Been there, done that. Right, right. Don't want to do it no more. So what he said, he says, okay, let's go one step further and, and do more prototypical and better quality stuff, okay? Let's look at the track. Let's, look, let's make the track a model. And let's work on it properly. Then what you're going to put on there, the buildings and everything else, you'll go, go in more craftsman-type buildings if you can, you know, and so on. So that sort of pleased me as far as what I was looking for to get stuff back on track. And that's basically how I got into it. it I think it's the best thing that's come since sliced bread, I guess, the way it's Okay. Well, let's talk about the the, the actual construction of a, of a, of a module. I mean, what okay. what goes into it? What what's the planning process? What kind of materials do you have to acquire, and what's it take to actually put it together? Well, yeah, it, that's that's it's easy. You just go <laughs> building a an operating turntable in outhouse in October two thousand nine issue of MRH. It covers that pretty much, but it's very very varied. Okay, look. Oh wait a minute. What what issue was that? October two thousand eight. 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you t- you already wrote an article on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Because that's what what you see there is my home layout starting. Okay, and that's the turntable module itself. It's four foot by sixty one. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, okay. Why don't you give us a rundown? But we'll direct listeners uh, go over to modelrailroadhobbyist.com or model-railroad-hobbyist.com. Dot com, right? And uh, take a look at, what you say, November 2009? October 2009. That's uh, issue number four, if, okay. I, if I remember. So check that out, guys, to get the details on what Les is going to run down for us. You know, basically, it's a step-by-step of, of, of building a module. Okay. The problem is that my module is not just that one module. It's composed of seven modules. Okay. The seven modules give me a turntable, a transfer table on one end, okay, and all the steam paraphernalia and the diesel paraphernalia on the other end. Okay. So that seven piece, okay, there's a two foot, three foot, four foot, yeah, one two foot, one three foot, one four foot, and then one two three 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 two feet by sixty one inches wide. Okay. Okay. Now, where do we come in with the 24-inch end and the rail in the center? Well, on the left-hand side of this series of modules, I can hook that up to a Fremo layout because I've planned the track on that end to be exactly 12 inches from where we have to hook it up to. Okay, so each end of a Fremo module has to be 12 inches from the front of it? That's right. 12 inches back, and do, are most Fremos um, just a single track that connects them, or is there ever more than I would think there? No. 
There's a lot more than that. Nor okay. Normally, the requis requisite is one track in the middle as a main line. Okay. three, and that's minimum. Okay. From there, anything that goes further down, it's it's allowed. Okay. The only important thing is that when you have your interface, you gotta have that one line or a double main line. All okay. right. If you're double main line, then you go double main line, and that moves your module out to 26 inches on that interface. Okay. So. How do you get started? You know, like I was asking, I mean, you <laughs> happen to be a CAD person. Yeah. You have computer training. Yeah. Um, so I would assume you, you know, kickstart a CAD program and go to town and build from that. I mean, what about us normal guys? Okay. Well, a normal guy, I wouldn't start off with a building and operating turntable and roundhouse. Okay. But I'd start off with a module. Two foot by four foot or two foot by six foot okay. with a track in the middle and maybe one siding. Okay. That's not hard, okay? You take out a plan, you draw two by four or two by six, draw a line down the middle, and then figure out what size of the switch you're going to put on there, figure out what kind of, what kind of, mod, uh, what kind of model you're going to be putting it on or what kind of operation you want, and you build that one module. Okay. One module okay. is simple. You frame it like a, some people use frame like a, how, how did he call it? Dominoes from David Barrow. Okay. Okay. He does a, a square box with some risers and he puts the track, uh, the subroad bed on top of that. And, and how, how tall is that box typically? About 12 inches? It's six inches at the end. It's six inches high. Okay. okay? And it's 24 by four or whatever. Okay. okay. You have some supports in the middle to make sure we get things right. And a lot of people use foam, two-inch foam. They just slap that on top. And, and I recommend against that because foam is not very solid on, on, the, on longitude, okay? Okay. So you, you sort of have to put in some kind of support. But you make a good base support for it. You build the module itself. Do all the wiring, okay? And it's very complicated, the wiring. you got two wires for the track, okay, which go to each end. Mm-hmm. And then you have another set of wires for an auxiliary power. And you bring wires down from each piece of track to that, and that's it. That's all there is. And all you have to do after that is to provide a plug-in on either side of the module for the, the throttle. In this case, Digitracks. Okay. And you've got yourself a module built. So that's not so hard. No, but I think the part that at least I'm most interested in that makes modules actually work and fit together is what do you have to do on the ends? What is the special you mean I I I just think it would be a nightmare trying to line up modules if you didn't have some kind of lineup standard. Okay. Well, the standard the lineup for Freemo and we're talking Freemo standard is is 1 inch from the back from the interface okay your track goes back one inch from the interface okay and then they put in a two inch uh jumper track when they put the modules together they just oh, clamp oh okay okay we are different because what i did is i made up a a jig where i used t-nuts and bolts okay so we bolted the modules together and we laid the track across the joint Cut okay. the track afterwards. Okay. So, so that sort of we our modules fit together fine, 
but where you see, <laughs> yeah. okay, but where you see the red lines, okay, th that's where I can hook up to a Fremo module, and I leave I leave a one inch space there for for that two inch. Okay, so a Fremo standard, the the interface is it is it just straight flat? Because I've seen articles yeah. where they have like grooves cut. And then the opposite side would have like a male groove, you know, sticking out. So they kind of know how they. Yeah. You know, well, the interface, the Fremo interface itself, is gotta be flat, six by twenty-four. Okay. With a track at twelve inches. Okay. From the front or the back, depending on which which way you look at it, with the track set back one inch on both ends. All okay. right. Now. Anything between that is 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 part of a. Set of modules, what we call, okay? All right. You, you can do what you want on that. Let me mention that a lot of what Les was talking about, Ryan, there's some good illustrations on the, uh, the Fremo website. Absolutely. Which is uh, www.free-modu-rail.com. Okay, that's our rail standards. Okay, that's our our standards. But there's also the main standards, which is www.free-mo.org. Right. The in-play design and stuff, the the points that Ryan is raising, those are consistent between the two groups, yours and the others, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. absolutely. The only difference, as I mentioned, is is between our modules, where we're not hooking up the Fremo, we don't have that two-inch piece of rail. We come up, but rail to rail is on, on each joint. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, let's talk about the track for a minute. Okay. Uh, what runs on a Fremo module? HO? you want. Yeah, HO. Okay. So, it's, okay, it's HO scale. That's, I want to run a prototype on it. Come on. <laughs> It's HO scale, but there are Fremo groups which are in N and also in S. So, yeah, it's the basic principle is there. The actual Fremo, North American Fremo standard is HO, yes. But yeah. there are N and there's also S scale. Okay. I don't know of any O. I just thought I had heard that a lot of this module stuff was uh, TT. I guess there's, there's N scale module groups too, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you come to th think of it, in Anaheim, there was a Z-scale Fremo module group. Oh, really? Right? Wow. one in the corner? I don't know if you, you you remember that one. I wasn't in in Anaheim. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you weren't in Anaheim, true. You were in Hartford. Okay. Yeah, I was in Hartford. Okay. Yeah, All right. In Anaheim, they had that group Z-scale, and, and I'm talking top-line modules, real top-line in Z-scale. Okay, so how often have, in the 10-plus years you've been doing this, Les, did you actually move modules around a lot? In the first 20 years, yes. No. The okay. last 10 years, a lot less. Do you have any stories that you can share with us about maybe a module <laughs> uh, flying sure. off the top of a car? Or? Yeah, I got a good one for you. <laughs> uh, Boston. You're looking at the Minuteman Convention 86. I was module coordinator with a good friend of mine who is now passed. Uh, <laughs> we, we took down 
an L-shaped 72 feet by about 30 foot bunch of modules from Quebec City, from uh, Montreal, from a whole bunch of areas. And that was the modular setup for the Minuteman Convention in 86. Okay. So, oh yeah, we had a lot of fun. I spent the whole week under the table <laughs> fixing stuff. So I swore at that point, there's no way I'm going to do that again. That's why we have some rigid standards in the free module rail group, okay? Okay. But that, that was my fun. And the guys were running and we were operating and everything was perfect, fine. The show was over. We loaded the truck. We're sitting down in the bottom of the hotel and having a beer. And a buddy of mine comes in. <laughs> hey, we have a problem. I says, what? Well, we have a problem. Well, you, you know the truck? Uh, yeah, well, we are going under this bridge in Boston. Oh, no. And in Boston, and it sort of took off a little part of the top of the truck. <laughs> oh, it's, it sort of did. Yeah, so, you know, I, I said, what? <laughs> we, we went out. It was only 104 degrees that day, by the way, and it was around noon. Jeez. So we went down, check it out. Yep, he really did tear the side of that sucker off. So uh, what do we do? You know, it's a good thing we used Ryder, and thank you, gosh, because I'll tell you one thing, if we would have used one of the ones local here, we'd still be there trying to get, get out of here. All right, all right, <laughs> so Ryder was re real nice to us. Oh, that's okay. good. Okay. He went, it's come on down. We're going to take care of that, no problem. We'll fix it up. So we go down. We come up onto a place where there's, you know, roads aren't big in some areas in Boston, I guess. We're trying to get through here, and there's a bus stopped in front of us. And it was, I think it was in the Chinese district, okay? These guys are there. There's a taxi that's sort of blocking the route for the, for the bus. So we sort of get out of the truck, look at this, and there's about six of us there, pretty stocky guys, you know. Look at this taxi. guy had the key. Locked inside, and the motor was running. And he was half on the sidewalk, half off. The Chinese guys were looking on and saying, hmm, you know, what's going on? So we went over. We actually took that cab, and the six of us, we sort of put it back on, on the, the sidewalk completely <laughs> by bouncing it. It was a smaller one. And this is the truth, so help me God. You bounced a cab? Yeah, you sort of, we get two guys in the back, two guys in the front, and two guys in the side helping us out, and we just started pushing up and down, and the thing, it did jump up, and we'd push it to the right, and we got it right on, <laughs> on the sidewalk between two posts. So I don't know how we got out of there, but we didn't see it. So there's everybody, hey, awesome, very good, hey, terrific, you know, and we had a real party there. So we finally got down to Ryder, and uh, the guy looked at it and said, oh, yeah. Take out the torch. We're going to take this sucker apart. So we sort of backed another truck up in front of it. We took out the, I uh, can't remember exactly how many modules, but there was about a good 40 or 50 of them. Wow. We took them out of the old truck, and we just couldn't put them in the other one because there's, there's, there's orientation stuff here. So took them out, turned them around, put them in the new truck, and three hours later, we were back on the road. To Quebec City. Jeez. None so, of your stuff was damaged? It was just the not, truck? 
a single piece was damaged. There was one piece of plaster that was nicked. And I'm talking the side of the truck was off on top, okay? (laughs) Or they had to take the the actual uh, torch to it to get the thing off. I'm still amazed today. And Jeff, my good buddy, we keep talking. And I'm going to build a module with a bridge (laughs) and a rider truck on it. So that was basically our, our... biggest show in other words after that it was a couple of NER conventions and stuff like that yeah but 20 years we did a lot of moving around okay. and you know we're I'm 67 now not that I'm in bad shape but you know it's sort of gets old less less tempting to move stuff around sure sure especially when you're sardine canning uh, trucks <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah that's a good that just one. makes it hard to run a truck yeah, yeah. <laughs> well uh, Paul why don't you, if you have anything else to uh, wrap up with, I'd like to ask Les a couple questions about MRH specifically. Okay. No, go go right ahead. I'll Whenever you're done, then I'll close it out. Okay. All right. Well, Les, since we have you on here and you are one of uh, the main guys at Model Railroad Hobbyist, I mean, you've uh, been working your tail off uh, – trying to promote the magazine and get sponsors in there. I just wanted to get, you know, I've talked a lot to Joe and Charlie about it, but I'd like to get your take on Model Railroad Hobbyist, uh, how you heard about it, how Joe sucked you in. Yeah, my friend uh, and I were were talking about the bridge, and he asked me if I saw Joe's uh, bridge on his website, Siskiyou Line. He says, yeah, I've been there, you know, I checked it out, and looks real good that guy really seems to know what he's doing you know so uh, he said why don't you go and check it out i think i saw something might might interest you so i did i went back on the website and <laughs> lo and behold there was an ad for joe asking for somebody to do uh some model railroading related stuff uh spare time uh paid for etc etc if you're interested let me know so i figured well it's been a while that thing's been up probably you know, it's it's been covered, but I said still sent an email out, and by about 45 minutes later, I get an email back from Joe, looking very interested, and uh, okay, I says all right, I'll send you some information on myself, and he says give me a call back at can't remember exactly what date, but anyway, I call him back. I think it was the next next day, and we had a chat for about 45 minutes with him and Patty. And the next thing I knew, I was the advertising manager for Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine. Bingo. There it goes. <laughs> okay. So once we got that settled, uh, like a couple of weeks later, I got a set of tickets. And Joe's telling me, you're coming up to Anaheim. You know? <laughs> okay. So I had to set things up, but I sure made sure I could make the, make the trip down there. And it, that's how it all started off. Okay, cool. And who did uh, who'd you sign up first? First one was Jason. No, as a matter of fact, I'm lying. That's not true. The first one actually signed me up practically. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that was our young friend from California. Does that ring a bell? Craig My Martin. Craig, Craig Martin, Martin with BLMA. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. He comes up and looks me in the eye and says, I want to be on that, and I want to be on that now. <laughs> so that was the first one. 
then we got Rapido on and I got twisting Tony's arm to get him on and sort of worked worked that way. Okay. Okay, who's the guy at BLMA? Craig BLMA, Martin. Craig Martin, M-A-R-T-Y-N. Very good. Well, Les, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule of well, promoting MRH to be on the MRH podcast. Well, there, that's it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, we've enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot about Fremo. There you go. It. Fremo is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. So, one last thing, Les. Yeah. Who would you recommend? You know, what kind of person do you recommend Fremo to? Let me give you an example. I started building, as a lot of people know who may listen to the Model Railcast show, mm-hmm. which is my other podcast. At mm-hmm. www.modelrailcast.com. <clears throat> Shameless plug. And um, I, me and my wife started a home-based business for her to run so she didn't have to go do a regular job while, you know, my kid's just going into second grade. So she wants to stay at home. Okay. Yeah. So we started an internet-based business, and she's pretty much taken over the business, over the basement. And my building my train is kind of my, – my train room is on hold. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if I may be a candidate for building a, a, a module or two. If you, yeah, I guess it depends. It all depends on, on what your your goal is or what your aim is. Is it just a module to practice? Is it a module that you're going to want to hook up with other people? Did you check it out the area where you're at if there's other guys with modules? I think well, it's uh, more, for me, Les, it would be more just so... I stay in practice because I, I think it's going to be a while before I'm able to reclaim okay. railroad space. Okay, what are we talking about as far as space? You go one of the two by four, two by six, or, or what? I could probably get away with a couple two by fours and and a okay. two, and a two by six, like a L, maybe like three modules. Okay. I mean, I have a big basement, but right now it's just a mess with product everywhere, so I just got to straighten it up. Believe me, I understand. <laughs> well, I, I would say to you is is find a plan that 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 sort of pleases you. A switching plan where you can do some back and forth stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Set up, take a drawing, set it up, put it on put it on paper, or if you're in computers, do it on computer, and then get on MRH and have people look at it. Okay. And they'll they'll suggest, yeah. Well, here you should do this, and uh, you know, first of all, naturally, you have to figure out your givens and your druthers. Okay, you right. remember that? Okay. Once you've done that, then you say, okay, I want to build a uh, a I don't know a uh, switching sawmill type range. Okay. So then, then you get your parts together, and then you work you work out a scenery where you'd be bringing in stuff and and taking out stuff. Right. So you're saying any model railroad forum can help me make suggestions, help me build yeah. it kind of thing. Uh, there's age. not a there's there's not like a Fremo group or forum. There's, yes, there's a Fremo group, sure. Okay. There's a the the Fremo group on Yahoo. Oh, okay. Okay. Fremo group, the LD SIG can help you out. Uh, MRH can help you out. Um, if it's Specific. Well, then there's the weathering groups, and then there's the Digitrack groups, and you know, the, there's a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I've been on. I get about 300 emails a day. 
okay, which I have to sift through. I belong to 31 groups. So that's where I pick up a lot of information plus the documentation plus a lot of that stuff. So okay. as a computer guy, you can, you know, you, you can pick up a lot of information off those groups. Sure. So it, it, is that a good scenario for, you know, maybe not somebody in my exact position, but somebody with limited space to to look at building a module? Because, I mean, if you want to, like uh, Dave Emery, who's on the Model Railcast show a lot, helping us yeah. out, um, <clears throat> he has a small shelf layout. Yeah. You know, because he just doesn't have the space to build, you know. Okay. And it sounds like that uh, a module could be uh, a perfect way for somebody to start actually building uh, not a full-size layout, but mm-hmm. a layout section that they eventually could hook up with some other Fremo guys. Yeah, absolutely. And well, what is, I that's would... the thought, right? Yeah, that's okay. right. right. Well, what I would recommend is when you're building your modules, build the infrastructure solid okay then put your whatever you want on top okay with something in the back of your mind saying is if I don't like it all I have to do is tear off the top but I keep the bottom and then I just refurbish the bottom oh okay with a new module on top I, see I don't know if you get my drift there no I do yeah the top so scenery the frame you itself just peel it off you build as a reusable piece of, mo- uh, of, of layout okay all right. Are we still there? We must have lost Hello. him again. It ain't me this time. No, it is me. Okay, very cool. <laughs> no, Did you I get that? yeah, I totally got that because you can rip off the top and yeah, and you know reuse it, redesign it. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you if you look at the 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 turntable module, that's the way it's built. Okay. Every everything on there. If I decide at one point I want to tear that sucker up, I'll tear it up. But all the wiring. And all the stuff on the bottom, it's there to stay. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it's just just a question of putting on a new uh, new top, you know. Very cool. All right, Les. Well, that helps out a lot. Thank Good. you so wow. much once again for. It's a pleasure coming on Thank with you. us. And one more thing, guys. If you do want to see and talk to Les about anything MRH related or Fremo related, you will find him at the NMRA's 75th anniversary show up in Milwaukee.